look forward to retirement and avoid the pitfalls. Keep listening for ways to maximize your retirement income. More Than Money with the Popowich Carmelli Advisory Group, CIBC Woodgundy, on News Talk 770. Lifestyle matters, it's more than money. I'm Faisal Carmelli, my co-host here, the man who studies for his COVID exam, Dave Popovich. How you doing, buddy? Like that one? Oh, yeah, that, that's a return to some of the cheese you used to pull oh, out. Oh, I've got a whole like bunch that. of cheese that going. Was, that was good. I'll give that you that one. That was a good one. That's I like right. that. I passed it. I passed it, by the way. So. Oh, you passed it. It's all good news. Good. You got 65% of that exam? Nice. Well done. Solid 65. That's why we still have the that's shield. Cool. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Hey, listen, we, uh, we got to talk uh, a little bit about uh, where the markets are heading, yep. where they've been and where they're heading. Okay, Lots of questions that we get about valuations and interest rates going up and how do you position, right? Is there anything left you can buy? We'll talk a little bit about that. And how about some of the, um, where the opportunities are, the mispricing opportunities. Whenever you get things moving around, when you get volatility, it always presents opportunity. Yeah, so volatility leads to uh, selection process. Rotation, you're hearing that word, they're rotating from... Val from growth to value, they're rotating from from technology to cyclicals. The whole when you hear rotation, there is opportunity just in there that you can find, um, and there's going to be there's some good conversations to have about that opportunity. Yeah, and we're also going to talk about uh, post-pandemic spending. Um, you and I know that, and it's starting now. But there's going to be more and more calls that we're going to receive from clients who've had to put their life on hold for 18 months. Who are going to change or that. longer or longer who are going to change that in a yeah. very rapid way and here's the problem that i have with what's being said out there it's don't spend it just keep it to yourself you don't know what's happening um you know just just be careful don't be emotive behind your decisions i i'm, I'm having a problem with that dave i think we need to chat more about how you can spend yeah the things you want to do it's your lifestyle Right. How do you enjoy your life going forward? Because this pandemic taught us something. Mm -hmm. And one of it is lifestyle is important to me. And that means lifestyle could mean spending with family or traveling anywhere you want to like, or anywhere in between. But it's 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 about lifestyle and it's about people who've worked their tail off to have that money saved up and now are being told, well, be careful about your retirement plan. And I think there's ways to to get to hit both birds with one stone. Of course, we just and we'll talk about how to do that so that you don't blow yourself up. Right? Correct. Um, now, this month, we're going to get the federal budget. Could be some <laughs> tax changes. Uh, there's lots of conversation about more stimulus coming. Is it necessary? What could that lead to? Yeah. It's going to be an interesting month. And, and so this is this is the first time in a while that we've heard, well, mainly because it's been two years since we had our last budget, but yeah. um, first time in a while that we've heard chief executive officers of major financial institutions or other industries coming out and saying, you might not need to go so crazy on the stimulus. Right. Um, and it might need to be more targeted. Um, and so on April 19th, I believe, yep. is the, uh, uh, the date yep. for the budget. Um, it is going to be interesting to see what uh, they're going to put out there. And my guess is it, from a political perspective, spending makes sense. Yes. Um, from a political perspective, especially if this is going to be a a uh, part of the campaigning for the next election making a bunch of promises makes sense yep from an economic perspective i have concerns about that right from a f markets capital portfolios 
they can do whatever the heck they want. We've got the entire world to pick from. And, and you're talking to the Canadian federal government, right? Correct. I'm talking yeah. about the federal government yeah. and what they have. So if if they're going to go crazy and spend a whole bunch of money and it's not going to be appropriate from an economic perspective, you and I know we don't have to put our money in Canada. No, that's right. So yeah. I'm not as worried for our clients. Yeah. I'm not worried about as much for investors because they have choice. But if you live here in this country and you are tied to the Canadian economy, um, you're going to have some sort of impact. And it, it, it speaks to, yeah, and listen, it's not just Canada doing this. There's stimulus all over the place. And, and I think the point that you've made is really relevant that you've got the entire globe to choose from, right? Anywhere. You, might, you yep. can put your money anywhere, and you've got to be nimble enough to be able to do that. Um, let's talk about taxes for a minute, though, uh, because as we spend, the, our countries and other countries, debt goes higher. This has to be paid. We get lots of questions. There's growing concern about who they're going to come after. Now, we've had other economists on our show, Dave, who said, this is not out of proportion. Like, it's not crazy. Correct. It, it's, it can be a concern in the future. But a lot of economists have been on this show and said, right now we're up to 50% debt-to-GDP ratio, just right. from a national perspective. Do not include provinces yep. and so forth. Yep. It's not that bad, is what we're hearing. Relative to many other countries. The relative to, and it's not bad for our economy because we can grow out of this right. if we have a pay-down strategy. And we have low interest rates, so our, our debt servicing costs are actually lower than that they were uh, a Three couple years of years ago. ago. Yeah, That's right. absolutely. Right. So I don't want this to be a, oh my God, we're going to be in so much debt, because we have been in so much debt, more in, from, a, from a ratio perspective than we have yep. been today. And we got, out, we got through it. It takes a lot of cutting. It'll take a lot of adjustments fiscally, um, unless, unless they raise taxes. Mm -hmm. And this is part of the conversation I think that needs to be addressed. There's multiple ways they can raise revenue. We've got some information from the C.D. Howe Institute that said, why don't you raise the GST right. from five to seven percent? Yep. So GST. Now Albertans hate when I say sales tax. I know that, but there's an opportunity that you can raise enough or some revenue to cover some of this debt mm -hmm. or deficit first um, by raising the GST. Second one uh, is uh, tax the wealthier, right? a wealth tax, a capital gains tax. There's, a, there's, a, uh, there's some talking about that. Or the most controversial one, I think, that's, that's being uh, talked about is tax on principal residence. Right. Capital gains tax. And um, if you were to pick, what do you think this government would most likely do if they were to raise tax? That's the only choice. I'm not saying don't do anything. I'm saying if that was the only choice that you had was to raise taxes, what do you think this administration would do? I'll tell you what any administration will do is they'll raise, they'll go after the top 20% that only has 20% of the votes. Politically, so, that's the most expedient way to do from it. From a wealth perspective, the top 20% uh, of the wealth in this country yeah. is, is sorry, the top 80% of the wealth in this country is by the top 20% in income. Yeah. And so if you're going to try to look for a re-election, yeah. you keep that 80% happy. Yeah. And I think the problem now is you're going to have tax as the biggest item going forward that's going to be a concern uh, for retirees because that's where most of the wealth is at. Yep. If you're over the age of 50, 
you are most likely to be in that demographic and in the socioeconomic side of the wealthy. That's right. And that means they're coming after you. Yeah, that's in the some high form. probability, right? Yes, in some form. That's correct. And capital gains tax, for example, is one of them. That's right. Principal residence taxation, people downsize in retirement. There comes a tax potential. Yep. So they're coming after you. Or they could they could limit it to a certain size of home or a value of home. Or, Correct. And, right, there's lots of things they can do Correct. to target specific groups. Right. They'll, they went after businesses. They're yep. going to go after them even a bit more. Yeah, you bet. So it's those ones who've, uh, who have saved up a lot of money right. that are going to have the exposure. And this is where a collaborative, integrated program from your investment portfolio, your retirement planning, your tax structure, your wills and estates, the legal side, you need to have a team ready. And failure to do that opens up the risk that you're not going to have as much money in your retirement as you thought you would. Because you made planning mistakes right. and you made mistakes by giving too much money in taxes. Yeah. Yeah. Proper planning, uh, it, listen, it doesn't, you don't avoid tax, right? What it will do is you will maximize the benefit to you and to your family. And if you're in that category, that top 20% or you feel you're in there, you you have to do that, right? You need to take the steps and the time to organize properly. And it's ongoing, Dave. People That's put correct. a plan together and they forget about it for the next 10 years. That's correct. It's, it's a tactical approach year in, year out, That's because right. this budget is going to be the starting point of multiple budgets throughout the years that are going to adjust the tax game. That's right. It's going to play with the taxes and they're going to test things. They're going to try things out and they're going to test it on whom? That's right. The top 20%. People who are... In retirement or transitioning to retirement are at the biggest risk for the most amount of taxation that they're testing on because they have all the wealth. All right. So if you accept that there's a bunch of moving parts on this, it's not just about stocks and bonds, but it's about health, it's about legacy, it's estate planning, it's all these things, then we've got to talk about that. We've got to help people get a framework around how do you think about all of these different pieces. What's the solution right. to the problem of I need to live throughout my retirement, not run out of money? And make sure that there's more money in my pocket and less in Ottawa and Edmonton. We're going to talk about that on Tuesday, April 20th, 7 p.m., live online. Now, you need to register for this, so go to morethanmoneyradio.com. That's morethanmoneyradio.com to register. Are you confused about what the market holds going forward? If so, stick around after the break. We've got a fantastic guest to help put some rigor, give you some guidance as to where we're going next. Here on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back. You're here with David Faisal on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Faisal, we, we've had a really interesting start to the year uh, from an, a market's perspective. We've got bond markets doing their thing. Yields are moving around. Equities are moving around. We've got to try to make some sense of that and where we're going to go this year. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's going to be a big concern with we've seen a big rally last year after the, at the the bottoms in March, we saw uh, a lot of money being made in certain areas of the of the market, um, and so people are wondering, where's the opportunity now? Right. Where, where do we make money now? Is it back to that old school economy stuff? Is it a return to work theme? What's where's the opportunity? And so we want to bring the team members that work with us on our portfolios for our clients, and uh, and and they can talk about more about those types of opportunities that, we're, that they're looking at. Yeah. We're very happy to have Peter Rosenberg, Portfolio Manager of Dynamic Funds, joining us today. Um, Peter, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. 
I think we're going to uh, get you to set the year up a little bit for us, if you would. I, I'm very interested to start the conversation at, at where you were, uh, you and David Fingal were at the beginning of the year. What did you think this year was going to hold, and how were you positioning for that? Okay, so that, that's a great question. When we first started the year, we thought we were going into a, cyp- a cyclical um, up uh, trend in the market, and that's how we had positioned the market, and we had positioned ourselves in the market with more cyclicals than we usually had. You'll recall that prior to that period, and really for the last 10 years, that there has been continued insecurity with regard to the economic outlook, and investors had continued to favor U.S. large-cap, mega-cap stocks. As well, they had um, also focused on high-quality growth. So we had positioned for a cyclical upswing, um, but then um, news of the pandemic started. And so uh, one by one, we took off our cyclical positioning starting in early February with our global um, stocks that were focused on luxury in Asia because that's where it was um, difficult to begin with. And then increasingly, we moved uh, to North American retail, um, which we also reduced in order to get more defensive as it was becoming clear that the economy could shut down and and cause uh, economic pain uh, for our companies. So following that, um, we so following the bottom in March, like you noted, then which was coincident with significant increase in stimulus and ultra low rates Um, we began one by one starting at the end of march and increasingly into april and spring into continuing to increase our beta to participate in what was a was going to be a significant rebound let's fast forward to the beginning of 2021 now and you're starting this new year what did you see for 2021 when we began the year? Well, where should I start? I mean, I need to go back just a little bit to tell you, you know, where we started. And so I guess we should start from, you know, at the beginning, you know, last year, most of the stocks that were performing were, were what we call the COVID beneficiaries, companies that benefited right. from the pandemic, things like cloud computing, and then to a second degree, uh, those, um, those type of companies that were helping the consumer at home, you know, what they call the stay-at-home stocks. And so that is how we were positioned um, in the market because that's what was working and that's where we saw the value and the best earnings growth potential. Starting on November uh, 6th, I believe, or November 9th, when Pfizer said that they had a new vaccine, um, the market took a significant new direction towards emphasizing, you know, very high beta and, um, you know, stocks that were going to do best with a reopening, things like um, restaurants, airlines, um, and such. So our our positioning, though, because we're quality investors, um, remained in quality, but with um, a greater cyclical uh, uptick to what we were doing, where previously we had held 20 stocks, we moved where the market had been narrow. We now moved to 25, 
and where previously we were more concentrated in six sectors, uh, we had moved to uh, eight sectors or more, uh, again, to take advantage of this increasing cyclicality and the upside that we saw in the market. What we had noticed since the summer was that market forecasts had been very low with regard to recovery as the market was thinking that this pandemic was going to do the type of permanent damage that would not see these companies go back soon to their 2019 earnings. Um, Our view was that they were likely potentially underestimating the potential cyclical upside um, if they viewed the pandemic to be sort of a one-time in nature. and, And had you trended from 2019, you could see that much more upside particularly from those companies where this pandemic has tended to accelerate uh, their upside. So I think, so that's what we have done. Added beta, first with stocks, then through our sector weights, and continuing on uh, to this very day. So, so Peter, when it comes to your, your, um, your selection process and um, how you're picking stocks, What's the criteria you're going through now? And what is it different than what you were doing last year, for example, or even in 2019? Is there a different, and I'm going to use the word filtering, to find the ones that come to the top of your list? No, I mean, uh, the focus is always the same. We want to get the highest quality companies in the world. And we want to get those certain companies that meet our valuation parameters. And then the third criteria is, where we see the uh, performance improving. So certainly that is creating a filter um, that might direct us towards more consumer discretionary, as we think the consumer um, has significant pent-up demand, huge $1.5 trillion in savings um, that, has been, um, that has been locked up in the United States, ready to go. And... Um, And then similarly, in the context that rates are now moving higher, coincident with an economic recovery, uh, more financial stocks than we had had before. So more financials, more discretionary, more industrial with our, you know, with our sort of best outlook looking at consumer, um, but always with the same quality lens. So, um, Peter, we've, we've got about a minute, minute and a half before we have to take a break. Share with us just a couple of your golden rules about how you identify, regardless of sector, how you are identifying those good quality balance sheets and good quality companies. Sure. You know, what, what's well, the first thing I think is, you know, I have like 100 rules that I've figured out over a lifetime of investing, but I think you gave me a few minutes. So I'll go number one focus on quality because whatever happens you're going to protect your downside and over the long run you're going to do better than average Uh, merrill lynch uh, has shown research on this it's very clear lower risk higher return almost for every period number two is stay within your level of competence you know the rules should be obvious um, similar to rule number one but i think most investors make a mistake here and then i think finally rule number three is that valuation matters, Um, and especially so when you want to avoid high valuations when they're based on future uncertain events. 
those high multiple stocks that depend on significant compounding taking place um, can fall significantly um, if that, those events do not occur. I think those are solid three rules. Like you said, there's lots more to that, but those if people apply that, Faisal, I think they avoid a lot of the potential problems they can get themselves into. Yeah, we're going to talk about that on Tuesday, April 20th, 7 p.m., live online. You need to register for this, so go to morethanmoneyradio.com. That's morethanmoneyradio.com to register. Okay, we've got to take a quick break, but listen, if you want to figure out how to profit from what comes next, stick around after the break here on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back here with Dave and Faisal on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. We're joined by uh, Peter Rosenberg, uh, who's a portfolio manager with Dynamic Funds, and have uh, him and his partner, David Fingold, have had tremendous success, uh, not just last year managing through the pandemic, but a good long-term Over record. the years. Absolutely. Good long-term performance. Record. There's a reason why we've partnered with them uh, in our portfolios. There's a reason why we, we are comfortable in their process. But I think it's important that when we look at what's happened, where things are, how they've positioned their portfolio, the clarity on what they do to get the results that they get yeah. is the most important part. It's the structure. It's the discipline. That's right. It's the process that's really important. I think that that's something that investors and uh, and people watching these markets have to understand because the market itself is not an, an, a barometer of what really can happen in a portfolio when you have that structure and discipline. So that's a really good segue, Peter. Um, thank you for sticking around um, during the break here. I've got a question for you because your portfolios tend to be fairly concentrated. You talked a little bit about moving from 20 to 25 positions. Maybe speak to us about, about that concentration and the importance of active management maybe versus passive management uh, index investing in this kind of environment. Okay, so thank you very much for your question. I think it's a good one. So uh, I think it's very hard to be good at everything. So we focus. We focus on quality, we said, and we concentrate on our best ideas to maximize outcomes. I think focus is a key success trait in anything that one does. And I think concentration also simplifies management, and it forces you to make hard decisions on relative performance. Um, and I think that's important, too. And I think the research shows that you can achieve satisfactory diversification with 20 stocks. And like I said, we own about 25. I think it would be hard to manage 60 to 100 stocks in a portfolio. And I'm not sure that I would add a lot of value. You know, when the market was more narrowly focused, like I mentioned, U.S. mega cap stocks, um, you know, prevailed. And we were closer to 20 because the market was more narrow. But now, as breadth has expanded, where I think 95% of stocks are trading over their 200-day moving average, uh, we have expanded the number of stocks and sectors, too. Peter, can I just go in regards to... Um that, that comment about adding value, you're going to hear a lot of people say um, or get the advice that just buy the index, that outperforming or providing alpha over the index is very challenging yep. um, and you don't get rewarded most of the time for it. You have been, your entire portfolio has been. So what's the reply to that passive investing versus your concept of, of active investing where you've seen the results and Maybe you don't get all the credit that you guys deserve for, for how well you have performed. Okay. So the market has moved increasingly in years to ETFs or passive investing. And the thinking on it, I believe, is that the research shows 
that most portfolio managers are not able to beat the market. And given the fees that um, active portfolio managers charge, um, they tend to underperform. But I think the research is equally clear on the basis that if you don't mimic the market, um, then you can have results that are better than the market. And I think the research uh, bears that out, too. So I think that's the issue, which is you, if, if indeed you feel you can't get a portfolio manager to beat the market, then certainly this is the reason why this industry has grown so much. But if you can beat the market using a concentrated approach, focusing on quality, focusing on dividend-paying stocks, which equally have a fantastic long-term track record, then I think that that's sensible. And especially in the context that when you own the market, you own all the stocks. It means you own the bad ones and you own the good ones. And, you know, our preference is to only own the good ones. Now, Peter, you, you've mentioned in regards to um, the dividend-paying stocks. And, and I think that's a very good point that you're making, that they do outperform. But it's a certain type of dividend-paying stock that outperforms. It's uh, what we've heard and what we see in our industry is that many investors, will buy those high dividend payers that just pay that dividend on time or sometimes we hear the terminology the widow and orphans type of stock that you just hold on to it and just live off the dividends you're going to be fine that doesn't always give you the growth that you need give me a bit more of a viewpoint of what your thoughts are and how you look at dividend paying stocks in the portfolio sure so when we look at dividend paying stocks we think of dividends not as a means to create income um, but as an underpinning of what a quality company is. Quality companies, especially uh, like you're underlining, are companies that pay increasing dividends. Companies that pay dividends that don't grow or companies that pay high dividends tend not to grow. And therefore, the highest returns come from companies with growing dividends. Equally, you know, you were talking about a strategy of buying, uh, you know, high dividend paying stocks. Um, these typically come from uh, telephone companies, utilities, um, banks to, to some extent. The issue is, you know, what type of risk are you taking when you're buying those type of companies? What type of diversification do you have? And are you getting the best return? Um, you're, uh, what I think is that the that investors are basically trading away growth and return for the reliability of a dividend. And at the same time, they're taking a high risk, particularly in this uh, low rate environment when rates could go much higher in the future and put pressure on these type of investments. Uh, Peter, I want to get your sense. We've, we've got about three or four minutes left, but I'd like you to uh, do a little prognosticating for us and, give a sense of what the rest of 2021 looks like and what some of the main drivers will be, what areas we can look at. You said valuations matter. Some are concerned about high valuations in the stock market and yields rising. Just give us a sense of what 2021 holds going forward from here. Okay. So as, as you know, we're bottoms up investors. So, you know, I don't know what the market's going to do, but I'll, I'll tell you what I think the economy is going to do. And I think the economy is going to perform. I think it's going to perform because we're seeing record stimulus. We're seeing significant pent-up demand. 
And, um, you know, there's good precedent for this that we've seen, you know, after World War One, which coincidentally came with a pandemic. So I think the consumer is the is going to be the best place to be. Um, that's who was most negatively impacted during this downturn. And that balance sheet is strong. Those savings are strong. And that's where pent up demand is highest. Um, so. But in general, we want to own stocks with cyclical upside that are going to benefit from the reopening and stocks that can grow beyond the easy comparison in 21, likely with higher quality attributes um, as the cycle matures. We think that earnings estimates also for cyclicals are understated um, in this pandemic. And we think that valuations of cyclicals are more attractive. And so we find these attractive cyclicals and discretionary, as I've noted, um, particularly in retailing, um, but also in industrials, also in uh, technology hardware. Um, if I wanted to make one proviso, I would say that the market has bid up these stocks for sure. Um, and comparisons in 2020 will be easy. Uh, so some of the upside has now been discounted. But I think it's important to take a look at companies that can grow through 22 and therefore have more enduring value. So in that context, you know, we might look back uh, later in the year to look at uh, software. Uh, that's an area um, that has been a consistent performer. That's where the fundamentals are very attractive with strong oligopolistic positions, strong cash flow, strong earnings, strong margins, strong balance sheets. Um, but I don't know if they're going to do as well as cyclicals right here, right now, given that, that they will not benefit as much from the reopening and they had been beneficiaries um, of the, the recent downturn. And then lastly, I think we would avoid defensive stocks, stocks like utilities, which typically underperform in an up cycle um, and which will likely be hurt, you know, should rates uh, conti you know, continue to go up as we expect. Peter, I want to thank you very much for your time today. We've appreciated the, the last 20 minutes you've spent with us and some of the insights about where we've been, where we are today, and where we're going. We appreciate that. Thank you very much. It's, a, it's an honor to be on your show. We've been joined by Peter Rosenberg, who's Portfolio Manager of Dynamic Funds, and um, his partner, David Fingold, have done a fantastic job navigating through all kinds of different markets, including the most recent, uh, the most recent pandemic. Now, Listen, we've got to make sense of this, right? We're talking about balance sheets and uh, where should you be? Cyclicals, defensives, utilities, all this positioning, but it all has to boil down into supporting a lifestyle. And we're talking about that at our upcoming seminar. Yeah, we're going to talk about that on Tuesday, April 20th, 7 p.m., live online. You need to register for this, so go to morethanmoneyradio.com. That's morethanmoneyradio.com to register. Is your post-pandemic spe uh, spending going to blow up your retirement? Let's talk about that after the break. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back here with Dave and Faisal on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Um, the number one conversation I am having with people now is about what's to come. Post-pandemic, hmm. people have put their lives on hold, Faisal, mm -hmm. for a long time. You and I talk about this all the time. What trip are you going to do, mm -hmm. right? Uh, I had a chance to visit my mother on, on the long weekend for the first time in a year. She's had her vaccinations in a long-term care facility, and we had the ability to visit. I put that on hold for a year. There's a whole bunch of things. I could get, get a list of 20 things Including right your bucket list. That's right. And we always say that when we 
when a family or an individual has a health event, it changes the way they think. Absolutely. The way they see the future. Absolutely. The way they live their life. Absolutely. Well, we just had a global health event that affected every one of us personally in a different way. Correct. Okay. Having conversations. Uh, Dave, listen, I put this on hold. This is the trip I want to do. I want to take the grandkids now. I want to, I want to do something here. Yeah. It, it, and it doesn't matter if it's travel or whatever. It's post-pandemic spending. Mm-hmm. I love and, it. And, and I love it too because it's lifestyle related. Our industry has a bias. Whoa, whoa, whoa hey, hang on, don't spend, don't spend, right? Be yeah, careful. Save, 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 don't spend. That's right. That's the industry we've grown up in. That's what people have grown up in as they've accumulated. If you're past the accumulation phase and now it's about lifestyle, should you or should you not pursue those post-pandemic bucket list oh, dreams? You want me to rant now? Is that what you want me to do? <laughs> yeah, that's I'm, I'm, I'm setting you up for this. Oh my God, that was a good setup. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm frustrated with the fact that our industry is still talking about don't spend your money. Right. And if you're going to spend it, just do it on some simple stuff. Don't, don't, don't. I'm reading articles in newspapers and online and I'm, I'm, yes, I still read newspapers, by the way. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm seeing, I'm, I'm on some of these, these chat groups for retirement to see what the people are talking about. Give me a good pulse of, and you're hearing, don't spend the money. Don't go RVing. Don't go traveling. Don't, because you're not going to have enough money. And I'm like, wow. People work their tail off, save money, put it aside, and then they're going to they're going to be told that they can't spend it because of what? They've missed one big piece, a strategy and a plan. Mm -hmm. And so I'm saying, spend money. I'm saying, enjoy it. We've gone through 18 months, maybe even 24 months, depending on where you are in the yeah. country and what your situations are. 24 months on the high end, I think where you've been told you cannot simple whatever it is you can't you can't see your mother you can't ha you can't hold your grandchild you you can't travel here you can't do these activities like oh my god and now we're gonna as an industry say just don't spend are you kidding me these this needs to be a, a change in how we do things you need to have your lifestyle now mm -hmm. and it's not you're gonna run out of time we've lost two years whatever it's you just realize what's most important to you now. Right. You've been told to think about it and sit there and think about it for two years. Right. What's the most important stuff to you? Right. And you're writing your list down. I'm writing my list down. I'm hoping people out there are writing their bucket list of things and uh, experiences they want to Bingo. have. You got it. And yep. now's the time to open up that, that wallet in a responsible way. I'm not saying go crazy and you know, empty the bank accounts. But I'm saying... Now's the time that the individual who's looking at this saying, I can see a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. Right. And these are the experiences I want to have. Let's build a post-pandemic spending plan. Yep. Let's build a strategy together. My advisor, my, my retirement specialist, my expert, and my family, so myself and my spouse or whoever it may be, so let's get together and talk about the fun things and the experiences I want to have because this is the stuff we're going to do because it's, it's important to me. Right. And I don't want to hear people say, just don't spend. Right. So, and that's the important piece. Particularly when you're in retirement, you had a lifestyle that you've envisioned. That there's things that you wanted to do. you got to do them. Right? And if, guess what? If it's changed, if this pandemic experience you've had has changed what you think is important, wait, that's fantastic. If it's a material change, go back and just test your planning. What about an overspend? 
Okay, so I've got one year. I'm planning X amount to spend in my financial plan, but gosh, Faisal, I want to take my grandkids on a special trip because I haven't seen them in a year and a half or two years, and it's going to cost me more than what my plan said. What do I do? Oh, beautiful. Let's find a way to make it happen. Spend it. The, the impact on the retirement plan needs to be calculated. Right. And this is no different. Think of it this way. Spending can also mean, hey, I just saw the property values go up, and I want to help my kid buy a home. Correct. That's, that's called a living legacy. Yep. I'm, that's important to me. Or now that we've opened up, my kids, my grandkids want to go to separate university or yep. private school yep. or whatever. I'm going to pay for that. Outside of what I thought I would have, didn't tell my, my money guy, my advisor, my retirement expert, this is what I want to do. Well, yeah, let's, let's figure out how we can. Right. Not how we can't. Right. Let's find out what's going to be the impact, if any, if any, and let's find out how we can. That's right. But let's do it in a way where it's strategic, not emotional. Right. It's not call, hey, I need hundred thousand dollars tomorrow Faisal because I booked a vacation or I booked something three weeks ago and never talked to you about it to let you give you the heads up right I, I think that conversation of hey I want to spend some money I want to I want to have experiences and I think when you have a post pandemic spending plan you're now talking about what experiences you want to have and that will lead to a happier retirement versus most people in my industry and in our industry will say don't spend it. Make sure that you save for when you're 95. Right, right. Really? And even if you did that big spend, let's say you got caught up in the emotion and you did it. Go back to see what the implications are because there's, there's lots of ways to solve for the Absolutely. problem. Right? So we're not even saying if you did it, don't feel bad about it. Go have the experience. There may or may not be an implication, but just circle back and do, you know, do the work do the analysis to yeah. see what implications there might be. The, the number one risk in retirement that people feel is, will I run out of money? Right. Will I outlive my money? That's right. And if I take this big spend, I'm sure this happens in many households. If there's couples in there, they're, they're talking about this. And they're like, well, let's go on this big trip, whatever it may be, this big spend. But what if we run out of money? Right. What if we don't have enough to live, as, uh, uh, live throughout our life? Well, that's the question that should be sent to your retirement right. expert. Exactly. Say, look, this is what we want to do. Right. Now figure out how we're going to make it happen. Right. And you know what people hear is they hear budget. Faisal, geez, I don't want to live on a fixed budget. No. You're the prime example of this, right? The way, <laughs> the way that you will experience retirement. Yes. Right? This, hearing this, that might translate in somebody's mind to, I'm living on a budget. We're not saying that. We're saying define the experiences that you want to have and what, what are they. And they may or may not have changed. And then just do the thinking around how the, what do you have to do in order to have those experiences, Yeah. right? Just be properly, just understand, be educated about what the implications of those decisions are, right? The good news is for most people, if it's an overspend on one year, it's generally not so dramatic, right? That it blows everything up immediately. Correct. Right? That, that it's, it's an impact that you will see over time. Correct. And you've got time to fix that. If that massive overspend happens five years in a row, you end up with a different problem, right? But I think people have to know that, right? Because I can tell you emotionally, I know how I feel. I know how you feel. We know how other people are feeling. So the message today in this 
is reach out to your advisor. Start thinking about what that post-pandemic looks like. Yeah. Let them know that, right? Because they can help. Retirement specialists, that's what we do all day long, right? Is we bring the vision and that dream of the lifestyle to, uh, to fruition and we help support that in the long term. Let us help, right? Absolutely. That's our job. Let us help. Let us that's, help. What we, that's what I think needs to be, be shared. You share out the information of what you want, the experience you want, and we get to help because uh, that's our passion and that's what we want to do. So I, I think this is kind of lining up for what we talk about every single month, Dave. Yep. We talk about bulletproof your retirement. That doesn't mean minimize the experience. That's right. That's how do you enjoy the experience with the security and safety knowing that your biggest fears in retirement are going to be alleviated? Right. And this is what we're going to talk about on Tuesday, April 20th, 7 p.m., live online. Now you need to register for this. So go to morethanmoneyradio.com. That's morethanmoneyradio.com to register. Well, thanks for joining us for another edition of More Than Money on 770 CHQR. On behalf of Faisal and myself, we look forward to chatting with you next week. David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodcundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodcundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodcundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund, an investment industry regulatory organization of Canada. David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodcundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodcundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodcundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada.